So welcome to episode number 83 of The Space in Between, and today we're going to sit with one of our favorite guests, David Lionheart. It will be his third time being on our show. Um, yeah, we're sitting with him. The last time we sat with him, the, the, the second round, he was sharing how there was this new love of his of, of painting, and we catch up with him. Actually, it was, gosh, it was over a month now. It was early May when we sat down and he shared a bit more about this process of what's what's happened in this past, in a little less than a year with this newfound love of his. Uh, so we sit down and we chat about that. And again, it has. It's been over a month when we sat and recorded it. I felt there was a necessity to release some more uh recent posts or recent podcasts um, within light of everything that has been changing in our world, um, primarily Black Lives Matter and, you know, the continuing watching of the the pandemic. But yeah, so we're revisiting uh, David Lionheart. So we'll be with him in just a moment, but there are a few exciting things happening in Nomadland. We are um, going to see some of you in person. If you're in the Hudson Valley, we're offering uh, a nomad series at the beautiful, magical, peaceful Stonegate Farm in Newburgh, New York. I will be coming back to New York for the kickoff event on July 5th. So if you're in the Hudson Valley, if you're coming up or you're staying there, come on over. The space is limited. We're only uh, offering 15 spots because we are taking precautions, practicing self social distancing, even though we are outside, we want to make sure you all feel safe and we all are stay healthy. So uh, registration is required for that. And you can go over to Nomad's website to find out more about that and register. Uh, and so, yes, that'll be Sunday, 9.30 to 12.30. I will be teaching a yoga class with a fellow Nomad teacher, Lori Beers, and maybe some other guests. Uh, and then we will have a little refreshments and come back and do a bit of a Movement 109 dance party to celebrate being in community with one another again, being in nature, uh, yeah, and just embracing what is here right now and that series will continue all summer long with our nomad teachers that they, they will be meeting at on sundays at 9 30 to 10 30 every sunday through september 20th so again if you are in the hudson valley or you're thinking about taking a little exploration to the hudson valley this summer come visit us where we'll be there every sunday 9 30 to 10 30 of course weather permitting and also, all of those spaces are limited too, so you must register ahead of time. Again, that's all over at Nomad's website, Nomad Always at Ulm. And I'm in the midst of a six-week series of Who Are We Becoming? Our Healing Journey. I just started with an amazing group of people uh, just this week. We're kind of in the midst of getting their self-discovery private sessions together and there, we came together as a group for the first time, and it just lit me up and it lit them up, uh, diving a little bit more deeply into what we had already been doing, those six-week series we've been offering for almost a year now, Who Are You Becoming? Um, so if you've been a participant in that, you kind of know what, what we did. But we're diving in even more deeply, kind of looking at our stories in, in terms of how we hold our traumas, our stories in our bodies, and and seeing the patterns that, that show up in our in our in our subtle body, in our physical body, and how we can release that. 
and in so I offer a bit more personal resource for resources for for those of you in the group and then we work together in honoring each other's stories holding space for each other listening to voices that don't sound like our own but really to see that our own story is lying within it so I know that we're going to be doing this again it, it's something I'm passionate about in terms of helping others and and also, you know, healing, healing this world that that definitely needs some healing. So we were we're in the midst of it. That is a closed group, but I know we'll be doing it again, probably in September. So if you're interested, send me an email or or sign up for our website, uh, Nomad Always at Home, or also at myphoebeleona.com. I will send you direct information about the six week series from phoebeleona.com. Uh, when it's being offered again. And yeah, we're going to kind of take a little pause uh, for the virtual classes on Zoom. I think everyone's a little Zoomed out and want to encourage people to get back out there in nature and with community if they're in a space that they can do that and be with people. But we will be coming back to our morning offerings in the fall. Uh, with that said, we still have a really beautiful group that is is expanding every day over at Facebook, the Nomad and Beyond, Nomad and Beyond Festival. And I will still be doing my morning morning meds on uh, uh, for meditations. I will still be offering that and we'll also have other nomad teachers offering their their beautiful teachings and many other people that are beyond our uh, nomad or immediate nomad community. So if you are looking for some yoga classes or breath work or dance or meditation or just a little pep talk, head over there. If you're on Facebook, head over to Nomad uh, and I always want to say Nomad always at home, but Nomad and Beyond Festival. You can join the conversation there. So yeah, I think that's it. We're here every week offering these podcasts. I will continue to do that. So we are still committed to being here for you in many ways. And yeah, we got to keep doing this, people. Let's keep showing up for each other. But now let's go ahead and show up for David Lionheart. All right. So I am here again with one of our favorite guests, David Lionheart. Hello. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I mean, we already said hi, but we're saying hi to them. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I we always kind of follow each other. We don't get to see each other all that often, especially now, obviously. Um, but I'm always following you on social media, and I just keep seeing this beautiful work that you're doing. And I have been curious about, you know, what your life is looking like right now. So, yeah. Let's, let's do a little check-in. How are you? <laughs> well, thank you for checking in with me. Uh, I need to check in with you, too, because of all the world traveling and uh, enlightenment you're bringing to so many people in so many wonderful ways. Um, I appreciate the check-in so I can, you know, tie you down for a couple minutes and hear about the wonderful things you're doing. Um, so thank you for having me, and thank you for giving people a voice, especially during a time where people feel really alone. Um, um, so you're doing a really great thing um, for everyone who's listening to you, so thank you. Um, we've been doing good. Uh, we're kind of adapting to the current situation, same 
way that the whole world is right now um, through our nonprofit Play for Your Freedom, we specialized in hundreds of people hugging and high-fiving. So this pandemic became kind of a kryptonite to our business model and our workshop model. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we really focused on being up close and upfront with people and that human interaction and connectedness uh, with one another, making them feel special and a part of something. And uh, it kind of got taken away and we didn't know how to react at first. Um, we just stayed in touch with the hospitals and the rec coordinators to see what what life was like now for those hospitals. and. A lot of them were not accepting any more patients, um, so they were using the hospital space for civilian COVID cases. Okay. And um, so that meant that veterans were in the community not able to access the help that they needed. Yeah. So that was a big problem, um, and it still is a very big problem, especially because people who isolated themselves when this wasn't going on mm-hmm. were very hard to reach. And now they're telling us, I can't get to them at all and get to those veterans at all. So that's an even bigger problem. So now they're tucked away even harder to find and harder to access and encourage and try and help. So we're trying to do the best that we can by starting with the people that we know that we can help. And those are the ones that are still in the hospitals. And although they are isolated and in different lockdown scenarios, um, we've been providing goodie bags and gift cards to the rec coordinators to get different situational items and amenities for veterans, even if it's a soda and, and, and some candy or something, um, because when they're going through withdrawals of uh, substance use, um, those are some of the comfort things that they can have that help them get through that process. And now they're completely isolated and the only things that they're getting are from the cafeteria, like on the tray. Um, so they don't have a lot of the special treats that used to come and go as volunteers and other organizations can bring them by and, um, and help provide them. So that's, that's been one way that we've been helping. Um, we fed 50 homeless veterans last week uh, with a pizza party. Um, the hospital safely brought people together, um, and that was their meal for the night. So we were able to sponsor the dinner for them. And we're going to be doing that moving forward on Sundays um, for that hospital, but also tying in a Zoom call with them. Okay. So that we can do a digital workshop, wellness workshop, so uh, they can see all of our team members, almost like the Brady Bunch, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. pop up on the on the screen and just to say hi and for them to hear our voices. And there's some veterans who know us still that are still in treatment and recovery. And then there's uh, other vets that have no idea who we are and they're just in the same boat with those other guys and girls. Um, so we want to just connect the face to the gift so that when this is lifted and we're able to meet in person again, I'm sure differently than we used to. Um, they at least have some background on who we are and what, what our intentions are. And that, you know, we always said we would never go away and, and never stop caring. And we're just trying to figure out the best way to do that um, and keep our promise um, to, the, to the men and women that have been following us and invested in us um, in the hospitals. That's great. Yeah. So you're saying that they're, they're, if they're in the hospital, they're a bit isolated from everyone else. And so you're all, so your calls, are they specifically for people who are in the hospital or anybody yeah. you've had contact with before? We are uh, developing that. <laughs> uh, 
I'm a carpenter, so when it comes to anything technical, it's uh, not in my wheelhouse. Uh, so I'm teaching myself how to operate on Zoom with good etiquette. And um, we are doing some test pilot calls and runs just to get used to the format. Because we also want to deliver a quality product um, to them once we get into the room with them, yeah. uh, the Zoom room. And um, we want to make sure that we don't lose somebody that anybody can access. So right now we're just starting off specifically with the hospitals. Mm -hmm. And uh, in Suffolk County, um, Long Island, they reached out to us to ask for some assistance and some navigation through these times. And um, so we are going to provide a call for them. And they have a weekly group that they meet with on Zoom with veterans who are savvy and able to log in and, and access that. So we're going to start with them. Um, as one of our pilot programs uh, with Mr. Gary Brown from the Green Bay Packers. He's going to be our football player that's going to, you know, um, come in and do some Q&A and share some of his story. And he's been with us in the hospital since we started. Um, so we're going to kind of bring our team together and try and spread a little cheer. And um, we have different healers and other fitness um, organizations sending us content that we can put on our social media platform so veterans can access different things um, through our, our social media feed as a place to go for positivity and away from the news and things of that nature. And we're, and I, I just want to talk to you about it too, because I would love to incorporate some breathing and some movement yeah, um, via your specialty and your blessing. Uh, to bring to them and just like short three or four minute videos to introduce them to different healers like yourself and um, And then they can choose to follow that person daily on social media to gain more content if that's what they're into yeah. So not everybody might be interested in doing push-ups, but they might be interested in a sound bath experience yeah. um, Nutritional advice things of that nature. So we're gonna try and put as much positivity on live music uh, we have some veterans that I've been following that play music. And so I, a young man I met in the hospital, he's doing well now. Um, he played a song for us the other day that we were able to put on our feed. And so I'm really calling all hands on deck. Like, we don't need money right now. We need positivity and we need people right now. Yeah. And that, that's what our current currency is that we're dealing with. Yeah. And um, I'm just kind of interested in building that up and, and, and giving giving still continuing to give even though we've been separated yeah that's great you know I have a couple of friends who are veterans and a lot of stuff is show is triggering them right now and you know it is it's, it's somewhat of a population that's being neglected um, so that's great that you're able to still provide as best you can your experience that you've offered in the past yeah, and I think that's a key for everyone to keep in mind is that um, just to do the best that you can. <laughs> Life is scaled back significantly. Yeah. I mean, it's really about celebrating very little victories that you would normally overlook during the hustle, bustle, and high octane lifestyles that we were living. Mm -hmm. Even myself, this forced me to stop doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I had to check back in because you're used to that high and that rush of being surrounded by a hundred vets at a football game and really bringing it home for everyone and ending with a huddle and hugging and all that. When that gets taken away, you try and fill that void with other things. So when for, uh, for people everywhere, a lot was taken away and there was holes inside of us that we weren't, we don't know how to fulfill and figure that out. And so it's really placing back 
pieces of yourself through small victories in your day. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's important for people to know that it's okay to have a quiet day <laughs> and that, you know, there's no news is good news sometimes, you know? Yeah. So if it's a quiet day, that that's okay too. And just to find um, gratitude and solace in that. And uh, I mean, my son has a basketball hoop outside and it's on a very low height right now. I'm hitting baskets, I'm celebrating, I'm slam dunking, you know, like little victories are very important right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting because the last time we spoke, it was last summer. And we the were- ca The car episode? Yeah, the car episode. <laughs> yeah, my first car interview. I think I did one more since then. Um, <laughs> but we were talking about the shift that you and I were both experiencing, but especially you, because you were, you were shifting your focus from um, play for your freedom into more, you know, being curious about this art that wanted to be born within you. And then you and I, we actually just sat and spoke before the holidays about that again. But yeah. it was interesting that you were already feeling sort of what we're all feeling right now. We're both feeling that individually. And now yeah. here we are, you know, however many months later, like eight, nine months later, and we're going through that collectively of just slowing down, being still and shedding away some of the unnecessary, like going high octane, as you called it. Yeah. Um, you know, you and I discussed last time we um, had a cup of tea, the eighth day, you know, yeah. what was our, what was our eighth day going to look like? Yeah. And it's really funny, yeah, because when I did that um, that session with you in the car, I had just started painting mm -hmm. um, in July of last year. I haven't I haven't been painting for even a year yet, yeah. and um, I I didn't know what was happening, but I knew that something was going on that I had to pursue it. And then when we had met up a couple months later. Um, I was starting to really find which direction I wanted to go in with it and what it was flourishing into and becoming. And now it's become a very important part of my daily practice yeah. and an important part of my life. And um, it could have been a better timing than during quarantine to have access to a really positive thing for myself. Yeah. So can you speak to that a little bit for people who don't know what you're talking about the eighth day and sure. for you? Sure. Um, well, like you touched on, I, I really needed to stop moving at the speed that I was moving. And on one hand, you know, and I'm referring to my work at Play for Your Freedom and, and uh, my work life, and uh, I was doing too much and I wasn't putting back into myself. Yeah. And I was running out. And, I, and at the bottom, when you're running out, you know, when the gas light comes on, when you're running out of gas, there's an added tension because you're wondering when you're going to get to the next gas station. So I was experiencing that constant tension that I knew something was wrong. I had a bad doctor's visit and um, I wasn't, I neglected myself for, you know, five or six years and never checked in. And um, so I shut everything off one day and started painting in my driveway. I bought a couple canvases and uh, I was going to paint something to go next to a piece that my wife bought for me um, called the eighth day. And uh, and it's this creature that's wondering if it should get back up again and continue to create after it's already created something really beautiful in seven days, or is it going to lay there and watch and just reflect on what it's done um, and, and or stay in that state forever? And I knew I had to get up and do something, but I didn't know what that was going to be. And the art really took form for me. Um, so much so I've created over a hundred pieces 
um, in less than this year <laughs> of large format artwork and um, and with a lot more coming. Um, so I start, I cracked my egg open and started having this conversation with myself through the medium of painting and sculpting and I haven't stopped that conversation and it's still flowing and at first it was really confusing and you know I spent some time in my studio like where I would just be emotionally upset because I would look around and see all this artwork and just think like this isn't normal like you're not this isn't what a normal person does like mm -hmm. something's wrong with you is what one thought and like what's wrong with you and it was upsetting to me a little bit but at the same time you know during that same cry it was also beautiful because I was appreciative that I found it like if I didn't release all of that onto those hundred canvases, where would that have been? It would have still been inside of me yeah. and trapped, locked up. So I, while I was, you know, just evaluating myself, I also wanted to celebrate that something beautiful really has happened. And from there, I wanted to use that as a tool to help children and uh, young adults understand that art and expression is really important to have as part of your daily life, um, along with the fitness side of things too, but it is a different, to create is different um, for me, and, uh, and to have, be able to have that conversation with yourself and with your community and with other artists, and um, it really changed my life. And uh, so I began celebrating it as a, as a positive thing, not as I'm screwed up in the head, you know, but I'm a little, you know, we're all a little wacky. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a little screwy, but uh, this keeps me grounded and, and gives me a place to put that wackiness. And it's uh, really beautiful. And I'm in love with every single piece um, that I create and I make sure that I'm in love with it and that, that fulfills me. And then when other people share in it, I've sold a bunch of artwork, which wasn't my intention initially. Um, but I've sold 25% of the collection that I've made so far. And um, uh, so when someone takes that piece away from me, the first time I sold a piece, it was a little upsetting. And the person was uh, shocked at my reaction when they said they wanted to buy the piece. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, that means it's not going to be in my bedroom anymore. It's not going to be in my house anymore. And, do you know why I painted that? You know, I'm thinking inside, like, do you know what that means? Like, yeah. you know, what that part of me that you're taking. So people started taking parts of me away mm. and putting them in their homes. And I realized that that was really beautiful too, because someone comes home from work or someone comes home from an experience or from a celebration, the art is there. And so it sees the good days and it sees the bad days. And I had one collector, she took it home and she's like, I have nowhere to put it, but I want the girls to get, she has two little twins. I want the girls to get used to seeing it in the house until we find a place to put it. Mm. Like, that's like kind of getting a dog or something, you know? Like, it was <laughs> really interesting um, for me that. to go through that process. And then now I'm, I'm so proud of people that, want to I have a pride that when they want to take that art and bring it into their own lives and um it's changed the way I it hasn't changed the way I create but it's changed what's happening to the artwork as I'm creating it um and really making sure it's the best possible uh when it's leaving the studio and really gets out the emotion and thought that I wanted to put into it um so until this pandemic occurred we had a great gallery showing um in Newburgh at Grit and 
Uh, we had two showings and they were going to extend me through the summer because of the success that we had there. Yeah. Um, I was the highest grossing artist that they've ever had um, to display artwork there. And so uh, that was good for them too. Yeah. And uh, so now we were shut down and everything kind of stopped. So we built the website and um, we're trying to share virtually the artwork and I'm doing some videos. We're going to release in our newsletter uh, where I have a, a video of myself talking through a piece. And uh, the piece is really cool. I, I want, uh, I'll send you the video or if you sign up for the newsletter. Okay. Um, it's a woman, uh, it's a collection I started called Warriors and Angels. I and saw that, yeah. So she is the anchor piece to that collection because she's both the old warrior and the angel and it's this beautiful Native American woman. Um, and uh, it really speaks on the strength of some of these women during these settlement times who there was no social media and there was no outside help. It was, there was nothing, man. If that was your job, whether you liked it or not, you were doing it. And there were some amazing women that really contributed to their communities as leaders and healers and warriors. And so I didn't know when the collection was going to stop, but I created this woman um, in the studio. And when I, as soon as I saw her and she was finished, I'm like, you're her you are the anchor of the uh, of that collection. Um, you know, I come from a strong family of um, women, my mother and my sister. And uh, so it's really a tribute to making sure that these women are put in front of younger women as role models um, as they're growing up to realize that of the power and the elegance that can exist within these amazing women. Um, and that it's not left to the wayside, that they should be in the front. Um, so, yeah, she came to life and I'm so excited about her. So we're going to do some videos in our newsletters to um, kind of like a, in the studio with me. It's called Coffee Talks. Coffee <laughs> uh, Talks? Yeah. Okay, nice. So I drink coffee while I talk. It's probably a little, a little annoying, but kind of not. But, and it's really coffee. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, so it's given me a little bit of a voice from home and given me a voice through my art and... Um, I'm hoping to share that. We had a class scheduled with some children in the city of Newburgh that I was gonna, I'm not an art teacher, but uh, I think I can facilitate opportunity for art for people. So we were gonna provide all the canvases and paints um, and that was supposed to be on April 4th uh, that that happened, but everything obviously got shut down. Yeah. So when life returns to normal and we can safely do it, um, we are gonna be giving children who don't have the financial means um, an opportunity to paint on large canvases and express themselves. And I want to show them my art, what it looks like finished, and then what the pile of madness that it is there before it starts to show anything's possible and you can use anything to make yourself feel good and, and create art that will feel good to you and to other people. Um, so my focus is going to be with on the, on the kids' side of things. Uh, we did try to do a workshop in the hospital as well, um, but because of the circumstances, um, we weren't able to. So veterans as well, uh, through our Play for Your Freedom program, we're going to try and provide those art supplies and, um, yeah, and try and connect people to something new and different. And that's kind of what's going on with it. Wow, that's awesome. So I'm going to, there's so much there. So I want to go all the way back to when you decided to do this. Did you have any sort of backgrounds prior to this in terms of you just woke up one day and you're like, I'm going to make art. Did you have some sort of training or studying that or what? Yeah. Can we talk about this? So 
I'm, I'm a builder by trade. I'm a carpenter. So I always worked with my hands. Um, I went to SUNY New Paltz and I took some art classes because they were easy to do, you know, have a hangover and go to class the next day. <laughs> okay, you're honest. So, you know, um, so I did, I, I've always been artistic and I've always been interested in art and I have a lot of tattoos and I'm interested in um, design and drawing, but uh, no, to answer your question, I am not uh, mm -hmm. trained and studied artist. Um, what I work with, I sculpt a lot on the canvases too. And I, I basically, the day I decided to paint, I went to all of my landlord stations and I grabbed raw metals and burlaps and materials and sand and grit, you know, from the driveway. You know, we were, uh, I was just getting whatever I could get my hands on. And it was summertime. So it was just shut everything off and go out there with a pot of coffee and <laughs> just started working. And uh, my wife came out and she looked at one of the pieces and she's like, this one's way too gory. This piece. I'm like, get out of here. This isn't for, you, <laughs> for me. Uh, so it was really important at training, trained or not, I realized something very important at the beginning that it doesn't matter what somebody else thinks about it. It only matters that it's what you want to have happened while you're creating. Yeah. And it's the greatest lesson I could have taught myself at the very beginning. So I said, I don't care, man. I'm just going to do it. And whatever happens, it's me. It's how I'm expressing. And that's it. So the lesson I needed was to do that and to remove judgment from myself and to teach others to remove judgment from yourself. And, you know, my five-year-old would say, Hey, let's draw these pictures. And I can't draw, I can't do that. And it's taking those words away and the, the poor treatment of ourselves. You can, you can do anything. And uh, so when I took to the driveway that day, it was really to clear my head and to kind of push through something that was bothering me and, that's what it came about. And so my art, you know, my art background was non-existent really. And I went to college a long time ago, <laughs> 20 years ago. And, uh, but I've always been interested in art and music and, uh, but now it's completely different. So yeah. again, I don't want to take it a space of being an art teacher to anybody, but I think again, facilitating opportunity for people yeah. Um, now that I'm at a position where I can do that, um, to help give back, um, through art and, uh, yeah, I would fully encourage people to take art classes and take different educational and training because they can serve you really well. <laughs> you probably would get to where I would want to get quicker because I'm learning by mistake, you know, by making mistakes. But I think I'm also very stubborn and that's just how I operate. And so part of it is, you know, that. You know, I, I became a whittler or a woodworker in, in some other way. I probably wouldn't want to learn. I would want to uh, make the mistakes. So at the same time, I'm also networking with a lot of other artists and keeping my mouth shut and listening to other people and appreciating other artists' art. Artists are funny, too. You know, like, it's an interesting space. Everyone's like, my art's the greatest art. And, you know, like, this is the... No, you can't sell this. Really interesting. It's territorial in some spaces. So when I find an artist who's really open-minded and really cool and I like their work, like it's fun to talk to other people in that space. And so it's opened up a little bit new world of some friends that I've met and, um, and that's been really cool and, and, and fun. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I was there, I think it was before the holidays, and I, you took me through your home gallery, yeah, your, your actual home, and walked me through every room, and kind of showing the process of, you know, day one to now, and it was really yeah. cool to see how you evolved so quickly, and how you did self-taught yourself, you tried things, it didn't work, okay, let me try it this way, it was really beautiful to see that. And that was so long ago. I mean, it seems like every month it's something different. My God, I'm sitting in the yoga room right now. Yeah. And and visually, you are in front of two pieces. Well, they're two pieces, yeah. They're two panels. I mean, yeah, it's one art, but it's. Well, that's my song. Yeah. So it's a really pretty two tile piece. Yeah. It's got some metal sculpted in it, and this is about music in our lives. And I was thinking about it like on the worst day, like on a bad day that you're home and your song comes on. So the name of the piece is called That's My Song. Because <laughs> when the DJ hits it, when the radio pops it, and you're like, oh, that's my song. That's <laughs> it. Like, I want that feeling. So there's this explosion of color and yeah. energy and I've got this copper painted neon green heart in the center of the painting because at, at the core of it all is love. Mm -hmm. And so loving yourself, like get out of that mood, get out of that funk, love yourself. You don't, I don't have to tell you, I mean, you hear a, a note from a song and you start moving, I mean, you, you know, that's you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is your song, all right, that's, that's it. So it's, it's important to, zero back in that love is important love for ourselves and then to love the things that are going on around us even when there's tragedy yeah. shadowing and blanketing most of it um it's fighting from within bursting to get to daylight you know that's going to win the battle and and being so resilient that you're not going to stop and so um the pieces I'm, I'm i'm able to actually put messages into my work now which has been a difference from the experimentation that i was doing at the beginning mm -hmm. um and i had a, a master of fine arts um come and look at some of my work and he was being very honest and he's like this looks like crap and this looks like crap and this looks like crap at the very beginning and yeah. he told me why and he was right you know that, that i wasn't doing it for those reasons but now i'm very intentional yeah. with detail and things that i want to get across um, and to make sure somebody feels something that I want them to feel from the artwork that I was feeling. So intentionalism could be applied across the board in all of our lives, but it's made a big difference in my art. Yeah, so when you're saying that, I'm thinking like what the shift could have been is just you using the canvas to get your feelings out without any sort of intention except that, but now you are still doing that, but you're almost like a medium with the intention of, a message that's been coming through you yeah experiencing it for yourself yeah and i think the project that play for your freedom was a great step for me to start i was asking people to share their feelings but i wasn't doing it mm. so i started to do it because of that project even with my team members and teammates and stuff and i'm the face of the organization and for me to not be doing the things I was asking them to do, that's not right. Yeah. So uh, the night I gave the TED talk, the same evening that you did your TED talk mm -hmm. performance, 
that changed my life that night too, because just kind of laid it out there for, for myself to hear me say some of those things out loud. Yeah. And the fact that there was an audience there ready to judge, receive, do nothing. Um, it was important that it came out. And so the people in the hospital that I was working with, I think we created a different level of respect for one another when I was able to reveal those things because they look at me like Dave, tough guy, tattoos, football, touchdown. But when you stand and weep in front of someone who hasn't done that in a long time probably and doesn't think it's okay to do it. Yeah. And then they try it and realize it's okay to hurt, but it's important to take care of yourself and not hibernate that inside. Um, that's when the, the growth begins. And that's when the, the growth began for me. And it wasn't easy. Like that was basically knocked me down to the ground again, doing that talk. So I had to figure out, great. Now I just dug up all this crap about myself and now I got to figure out what to do about it. Uh, but you can't quit just because you're at the bottom again. You have yeah. to just keep on climbing upward. And when I came to the point where creating this art was becoming a tool for me, I mean, I haven't even scratched the surface on what I want to say here. And, you know, I'm just reflecting on back when you were visiting me and how proud I was taking you through and showing you these pieces that I've made. Yeah. And it's completely, it's, it's, it's moving forward and I'm able to say more, yeah, uh, with it. And, and I want to show people it's okay to feel that too. And, and this is just the way that it's happening and that I'm doing it. That's beautiful. Yeah, I, I want to go back to, there was something that you said earlier that I was really curious about. You said you were stubborn and mm-hmm. how you need to ex- make the mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like you are so stubborn that you need to make your own mistakes. Oh, yeah. Speak to that a little bit more. When my father left us uh, when I was five, I, once I hit a certain age, I assumed the role as the man in the house. You know, I was responsible for my mother and for my sister. And if something went wrong, even if it wasn't my fault, I would blame myself for it. Mm-hmm. Like I should have done some, what can I do? What could I have done differently? And, you know, I ripped, I, we had no money. I ripped our bathroom apart when we were, I was a teenager. I was a freshman in high school or something like that, and, or in, in middle school. And I mother, didn't tell my mother. She's at work. And I just started ripping the bathroom apart. I was going to fix it myself. I was going to do it. You know, so I'm going to go for it. We were without water in a bathroom for like three months because now we couldn't afford to fix the mess that I made. You know, so for me, I have to, you know, stub my toe, hit my finger, like go through, like whatever that is, I've got to go at it 100%. Um, even if it's not the direction I should be going, I, I, I felt like I was okay, I'm going to at least try and I'm going to keep on trying. And as I'm getting a little older now, I'm, you know, realizing that it's okay to just stop and meditate on something and not react right away. And this has really helped me. You know, we had a, one of our buildings caught fire recently. Thank God everybody got out. Okay. Um, It's one of my rental properties and the old me would have freaked out. I would have flipped out. I would have been like, oh my God, what are we doing? I gotta get over there. And like, I was a little hurried because I was just caught off guard. And 
I called the mother to make sure the babies got out and everything like that. But yeah. when I got to the scene of the accident, I was watching and the firefighters were doing an incredible job handling it, making sure it was as safe as possible. And I just looked at the chief and I was like, you need me here? He's like, no, like, I'm gonna go home and paint then, <laughs> okay? And they finished and they did their thing. And I had a buddy I hired to board it up and I went home and I painted. And the old me would have been really upset and like, what what could I have done different? And it was, I think somebody flipped a cigarette in the backyard or something like that. So, you know, we were, we maintained all of our stuff and all that, but that situation to me showed me that I stopped and slowed down a little bit at this stage in my life. And being stubborn doesn't, doesn't mean you're making progress. Like be stubborn about the things that matter. Be stubborn about making sure you spend time during your day to take care of yourself and your family and tell people you love them. Like be stubborn about that. <laughs> Don't be stubborn because you made a mistake or somebody called you out on something or yeah. something's wrong that you might not know how to fix it. You have to ask for help. Like, so as I'm getting a little bit older now and you know, I'm realizing that, um, I don't fault myself for it. It's just the way that I was and still am sometimes. But I'm a, we're all a work in progress. We um, all are, yes. You know, but yeah, I think because of my growing up and my upbringing and um, the loss of my, you know, not having my father around, and, but he was around, but he wasn't with us. Uh, as, a, as a male, changed the way that I grew up. You know, because I didn't have the father figure to look up to. I had to become it, Yeah. you know, and for my sister and for my mother and for us to survive that situation, it had to have been, and I have to, I have to do this. Like, we have to figure this out. And, um, and that came with a lot of mistakes and a lot of anger and a lot of aggression and a lot of misguided stubborn, stubbornness. <laughs> um, but now I really want to be focused on being stubborn about what matters most to us and what's, what's going to help us heal. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because you were saying how you were using that almost through the process of your art, but almost in a, in a healthier way of, okay, I'm not going to take an art class. I'm going to figure out and make my own mistakes as I go. So that's really beautiful that you evolved in that way. Yeah, no, that was a healthy mistake to make, you yeah, know, you fun, you know, arts and crafts is a great place to make mistakes, <laughs> you know. Well, I, it's funny because I was just talking to my grandmother who does, she does beautiful watercolor. Okay. She has pulled back from it the past few years because she's so scared of making a mistake. She's actually vocalized this with me. And we just said yesterday, my mom and I were sitting there kind of dissecting the why and I said, maybe you just need to go and make the ugliest thing possible. Like make all of the mistakes and then just see where it is in between, you know, find the in between there, space in between. It always comes back to that. Always. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that what you have done and, and I've also seen that you brought your son into it too. And I think when I was there, you were talking about maybe your nieces and nephews Yeah. down and just playing with it and letting them be free with it and making their own mistakes and trying yeah. things out. That's so beautiful. Yeah. So we had, a, I started a work program in the studio because I want to be down there. And then when they're over, I want them to be with me. Yeah. Um, so they come down and uh, don't tell, you know, 
employment, the government, but I pay them 25 cents an hour <laughs> to work. They get 50 cents on holidays. For I don't think they're going to be so concerned about that right now. They have a lot of other things to worry about. Be surprised. They're, they're around the corner. Um, so it was, a, it was great to have them. So I, uh, I reinforce all of my canvases because of the heavy textures and material that are on them. So they paint all the styrofoam that I reinforce the backs with. So there's a painting from the children on the back of all my paintings. I love it. And it's so cool. And so they do some work, like sweeping the stairs, cleaning brushes, making sure that the place is clean. And then they, uh, they spend the rest of the time painting. And since quarantine started, I haven't got to see them um, too much. So I look forward to having them back uh, once this all is over. But Roman paints, um, I would say, every week with me. And I don't want it to be like a, I force him to go down there and do it. but I. I he has his own pile of canvases, you know, so he can take any paints that he wants. Yeah. And he's creating really beautiful art. And uh, we hung up two pieces. He signed the back of it with his name. And he um, takes pride in which way it's going to go and tells me where he wants it on the wall. And uh, responsibility side of it, to clean up when you're done, respect your tools. And he walked away the one time and he left his brushes with all the paint stuck on them. And they dried up. And now you don't have brushes for next time. All right, so what are you going to do? You're going to clean your brushes next time, you know? So teaching them like little, it's only five, but teaching them little things in the studio, there are really good life principles that happen down there about respect for yourself and respect for your surroundings and, um, and responsibility. And uh, so there's a really cool aspect of it that I think he's learning without me sitting there and wagging my finger at him. Yeah. Understanding why through his own means and through his own measures. Yeah. I think art is so important for that. I learned so much through the art of dance growing up, you know, what discipline looks like and also how to be creative. And so that's beautiful that he has that experience with you. And look at how your dance has evolved and your movement has evolved. Yeah, it's fun. Right? I mean, yeah. it seems like you normally, you specialized in working in choreographed situations and what you've done for people in freeing movement in a free space. Yeah. Without any plan or, or, or not, it, that's a, that must be a different gig for you and a different game for you. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I'm trying to like find the thread of your art and, and what I'm doing. Um, you know, that I'm kind of going back to where I was when I was probably Roman's age of dancing and using that as my own sort of expression and therapy. But then I had to learn some sort of structure. So, you know, I went to ballet and tap and jazz and modern and blah, blah, blah for so many years and then became a dancer and continued on with that structure and then started to break free of it a little bit. You know, within choreography, there's a lot more play and freedom. Yeah. But then I just, yeah, kind of abandoned it and it's become like what your art is, right? Of just, ah, freedom with intention. Yeah, there's still intention behind yeah. it. Um, so I'm thinking of how yours is, right? You you didn't necessarily have this, what you did before as a kid, but you had, um, you were learning different tools and carpentry and all of that. So you were learning different skills and even in your art class that you did 20 years ago in college. And now you're using all of that structure and form and discipline in other ways and using that to express yourself through your art. So yeah, our arc is very similar. I, every time you and I, we sit and talk, I'm like, oh yeah, we have such a very similar arc that we do. All because of that TED Talk, man. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, I mean. So much shift. I was so, 
Well, you, I remember when you reached out to me afterward is when you started doing your podcast. Yeah. The, and, yeah, the TED Talk, it sparked that, the podcast and movement and Movement 109. You know, because Jessica was your first story. Yes. Yeah, and uh, and then I think I got to come on after that, and uh, mm-hmm. I was just really, um, I was in the place in my life where that meant a lot. That I was like, wow, I'm like this girl wants me to go on her show. I'm like, that's pretty cool. I'm like, she's like total rock star. Like that's amazing. <laughs> I really appreciated that, and it comes back to looking at artists that I want to follow and be friends with, and. You were an artist that I was so lucky to have met and become friends with early on because it it helps. The more positive people that you surround yourself with and um, like-minded people that can help feed those inner parts of your soul and your and your practice and your activities and um, and you know hold yourself accountable to those people as well. Like I I want to make my friends proud of the things I'm doing and um, and I'm sure the same with you. Like when you or can bring light to someone and bring change to someone that must make you feel so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's just when you were saying that, I was thinking of what you said when you were first selling the art and how it was going out and a piece of you is going out with them, but it is, it does come back to you. Absolutely. Or filling up and, you know, filling the cup and letting it go all the time, just ebbing and flowing of it. And yeah, you were, I think, yeah, I think you were episode number three and I just record episode number 76 today. Wow. Are you kidding? Yeah. So when we release you, you'll probably be about late seventies, 80 or something like that. Wow. Congratulations. That is incredible. And what's cool about that is it starts with the first one and with the courage to do it. Because you wouldn't be at 76 if you didn't say, I'm going to have the conviction to do this project because I think it's important. And you never go into it saying, I'm going to do 100 of these in, in one year or whatever that yeah. is. And no. You can't. It's, it's impossible. And no. true creation, and it's very organic with you. It just comes organically because no matter what you do and where you move, you're going to do that. You know, you might just shift gears here and there from – an organization or you know activity or project but for you you're always going to create just a matter of what you have your hands on and uh that's a huge accomplishment i'm so proud of you it's really amazing the people that you must have met even going through that whole process must have just been incredible yeah it's been exciting you know meeting people in our community in the hudson valley but then around the world you know every time i got to travel i met up with somebody and got to know their story and cool yeah, it's it's been such a gift. And I, I see that for you too. You know, you I think that's for a lot of people is that it's that first step. Yeah. That first step is where the fear is or that stubborn what you were saying, being stubborn and having having to be a perfectionist and okay, I'm gonna do it X, Y, and Z this way. And if it's not like that, I won't fit into this box that mm-hmm. I bother. And for what I see within you and definitely I know within myself, it's just, we just have to get that first step. And then it's like, all the rest is just a, you know, a beautiful dance. Uh, Yeah. Sometimes you stumble and you make some art that you're like, Ooh, well, let me see how I can change that. (laughs) It happens. And there's some paint overs and that's okay. And put something else on top of it. I think you showed me some, I can't remember which piece, but you were showing me, how you had something down and you really didn't like what it was. So you just said, oh, I'm going to put some more stuff on top of it. Yeah, I have a lot of paint overs uh, yeah. for sure. 
Um, you know, it was just important to, even for me now, to, I need to focus on it daily is that I can stop being a painter tomorrow or today if I walk to the canvas and I'm not moved to, to be with it and be on it and, and to be okay with that. Yeah. You know, like I made wine for a long time and I ended up doing it and growing grapes and it was so much work and I lost my crops two years in a row. And, but it's when people were coming up to me in a conversation like, Oh, how's the wine thing going? And you force yourself to do these things in your life almost for other people. Mm. And I'm really dialing in to making sure like, okay, what is this doing for me? And is it, is it really for me or am I doing it for somebody else? And it's okay if you're doing something for somebody else. Yeah. But we get to monitor that because we are fine. You know, our energy is finite. And I did my Dave chart the last time you and I talked and I mm-hmm. wrote my name on a board and put who I was in all the aspects of my life. And that chart is very different to the one that I would make today and a lot less little bubbles around it. Um, but the ones that are important, you know, my project at Play for Your Freedom, to do that over a long term for, you know, to have longevity with that and do it healthy for myself and for my teammates and um, an artist and my family. And um, so that that's shrunk down so much and I've trimmed so much excess off of what was weighing down on me and that really helped me breathe a little bit, um, yeah. you know, because you can't be everywhere at once and you have to be something to yourself before you can be something for someone else. For sure. And I think that we are experiencing that collectively right now with this pandemic of just yeah. being forced for a lot of us. I know there are a lot of, you know, essential workers and healthcare workers out there that don't have a lot of time and space. Yeah. For the majority of us, we have so much time and space now to slow down and to reevaluate those bubbles, as you say, and to, you know, kind of look at what is, what is necessary here? How do I need to fill my cup so that I can be of service to my immediate family who's in my household and, and then, you know, the community beyond that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're a little ahead of the curve. Actually, my, my grandmother today, she, she, she gave me this quote. So we've been talking about time. I won't go into the whole thing about time, but I think that the quote um, is relevant for what we're talking about. Um, it, she, she just wrote this and put it on my, my table where I eat lunch. And it's by Martha Graham, who's a modern choreographer, modern dancer. She's okay. a year in modern dance that I studied for years in college. But the quote is, no artist is ahead of his time. He is his time. It is just that others are behind the time. Wow. Yeah. And I was so just... You got, that t- you got that today? Yeah. Grandma gave that to me today. I get Grandma in on this interview here. I gotta... Oh, yeah. Grandma's, grandma is here in spirit all the time. She's always in my, my <laughs> little conversations. But yeah. And really I... Pretty. What's that? That was a really beautiful quote. Yeah. Uh, I used it also in the the little talk. So I want to talk about this, okay. not steer completely, but um, but actually before I do that, the reason why I read that too is because I was just thinking about the last time we did speak was July, August, yeah. how we were both sort of ahead of this time that we're all in. Like we were both kind of preparing for it. We didn't know what it was. We couldn't label it, but we just knew that, especially you, like, 
knowing that you needed to shift gears and like you said, pulling away the bubbles and, and um, figuring out, getting really focused in on it so you could zone in. And it's almost like that time from when we did talk until now, it was preparing you for this so that you could be like, bam, here I am. Yeah. And, and do what you need to do in this instead of here and then having to scramble for it. You were already yeah. prepared for it. So it's really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, no, you're right on. And I'm really glad I was able to receive you and receive this opportunity to be on, um, on the show today because if I wasn't, then something would have gone wrong from the last time that we met up until now, you know, and, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy. I, I find when I meet in this place, I'm, it feels good to say I'm happy. I just feel happy. And that's something that people don't, I think, connect with enough of realizing that you can just be plain old happy. Like it doesn't have anything fancy. You don't gotta have a roller coaster, you know, just be, feel happy. And, and, and that is just contagious and is so important to the, the energy that you surround yourself with and the others come in contact with you. And I've been really focusing on being happy and this, um, and, some days are better than others, but you know, um, it feels good to say that I'm happy and I'm able to be here and receive you and uh, it's, it's awesome. Awesome, yeah. My mantra last year was to move with joy because I, I believe that joy is humming underneath all of us. Even though we have those days where we're not feeling it, it's still here, right? It's yeah. still, we're still able to get it, joy, happiness, yeah. Okay, so I do want to I do want to ask you. So, because I don't know if you noticed or if you know no, but I changed my last name. I claimed a new last name. I saw it at the bottom of your uh, your so podcast. Both lions. So, so tell me about this. Well, I want to first know your journey through Lionheart because that is a chosen last name for you, correct? Correct. Yeah. So why don't you share it with me, and then I'll share with you. Okay. Um, uh, when I was younger, um, my good friend Raul, uh, he, during track and field, called me Lionheart. Uh, I was a runner as a, as a young man. And um, so he called me Lionheart, said I ran with the heart of a lion, you know, that I would always refuse to quit and, and uh, really push hard to succeed uh, there. So that was always just around and then when Helen and I were going to get married, um, I didn't want to take my father's last name into my marriage at that time. I wasn't in a healthy space to do that. And so I asked her what she thought about adopting my old track and field nickname from my friend Raul. <laughs> and uh, she's like, well, I think you're crazy, but whatever. And, uh, and so she was supportive of it and, you know, um, it was very random, you know, that, that, and even some of my best friends were like, where did that come from? Like, why, why not Meridius? Like, is my construction company was Meridius construction and why not this? And why not that? You did that. And it just felt right. And why not? And now I don't even think about it. My name used to be Dave Matthews. What? I didn't know that. <laughs> was Anthony your middle name? Anthony's my middle name. Yeah, Facebook won't let me put David Lionheart on. They think it's fake. <laughs> Go figure. Um, 
so that yeah I was Dave Matthews and I didn't care like you know but I mean college you know obviously the height of that band yep. dictated what people you know jokes and stuff but I didn't yeah. change it because of that I didn't uh, I wasn't going to start a family off of something that wasn't a healthy part of my life. Yeah. And so my son is the firstborn Lionheart um, in our family. And so your wife took your Lionheart as well? He did, yeah. And she kept her name for a while at work, you know, um, in her career and whatnot. But then she switched over. And uh, as predicted, I'm like, oh my God, all your clients are gonna think it's so cool. <laughs> and, uh, and so now she's been very supportive of it. And um, it, yeah, it's funny you ask me that because I never even think about it. Like I haven't even had said Dave Matthews in forever, you know, like that and referring to myself. That's even better. I love so it was 2009 that I changed my name. Okay, so 11 years ago. Yeah. That's awesome. So now tell me your story. So my story is, well, it's a, it's a little bit of everything. So not everything, but well, yeah, everything. Um, my parents actually met because my father owned a lion. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he had a lion. Your story's already better than, your story's already better than mine, but go ahead. <laughs> There's no competition here. Uh, yeah, he, he, it was the seventies. So exotic animals were a thing then. And so he had a lion and he was walking this lion uh, on a leash through town. And my mom being this young, like adventurous girl said, Ooh, there's a guy with a lion. So she went up and asked him out and yeah, they started dating. And wow. so I love, when I found that out, I just, of course, I mean, my parents who, you know, hippie parents and, you know, just very, they have their own, they have so many stories. And they're just, they were both so, I mean, my dad's passed on, but they're both such like vibrant characters. And of course that was the story that brought them together. They weren't just like, you know, at the grocery store in the produce section. Um, but I, lo I loved it. I love that a lion called me into this world, you know, in a way. And I was going through and I shared, we were talking about the eighth day, right? And I felt that the eighth day was coming up for me um, in this period of time before the pandemic. I felt that you know, I was going to be making big changes. I didn't know what they looked like, but I just was being called to give up my apartment and do this traveling. And I just, I really wasn't sure what it was for. And now I'm realizing it was a gift because now I get to be with my grandmother and spend more time with her and be near my, the rest of my family, like my mom. And, and so it's preparing me to get rid of my things so that I could easily be here. Mm -hmm. Um, I still don't know what it's going to look like on the other side of things, but I felt that there was this big change happening within me. And I really wanted to document that in some way. So I was, I just wanted to recommit to myself and I looked at what I wanted to recommit to. And, and then, you know, I, one of my friends shared a story of it changing his name and it really lit me up. And I was like, what I want to do and I knew of other people like you and other people who had changed their names and mm -hmm. how beautiful it was and I thought that's what I'm going to do so when did you do it on Friday oh super soon and it, uh, that's awesome yeah I did it Friday and what a, I, way to, what a way to kick the weekend off yeah I did a little ceremony on zoom with friends uh -huh. and um yeah it was beautiful we just did a little bit of a meditation and told my story and 
Uh, and then looking at the animal totem of what lion, lioness specifically, because that's what Leona means, is lioness in Spanish, what it means, I just, I felt that I already was very connected to it, but then there were parts that I wanted to lean into and recommit to for myself and for this, you know, to be of service of this world. So it just all sort of came together and I felt like, yes. Yeah. So yeah, we're both in the lion family. <laughs> so happy for you. That's so cool. And it's really important that, and I can clearly see it's already doing that, that that is like empowering you, you know, like you really took control of what your next journey is going to be. And you started with yourself and, you know, with what you were going to be and how you were going to do it. And, um, I wish you so many blessings and good energy uh, on that adventure because you've certainly prepared yourself well for it. Lioness. Yes, lion hearts. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, this is always fun when we get to sit and talk. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's been amazing. And I'm so thank you for sharing that news with me. I'm glad you uh, sidestepped and told me that. That's really, really cool. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I. Um, I am just always so grateful that I get to sit and watch your journey from afar and then we get to have these moments where we zoom in on them and and get to hear a little bit of what, more about the backstory. So yeah, I treasure our talks. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, there's always something something going on. So whenever you have a question, just let me know. <laughs> yeah, we just see it's yeah. funny because we don't, whenever we reconnect, it's we're very much on this sim a very similar path. Yeah, it looks yeah. a little different, but so it's yeah. great to see each other as our mirrors, as I shared with you before. Yeah, so. I'm always ready to receive, so that's that's really great. Well, well, thank you so much, and we'll do it again soon. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, um, and uh, if anybody wants to see our work um, through Play For Your Freedom, it's playforyourfreedom.org, play yeah. and then uh, my website's davidlionheart.art. And we'll always, that in the show notes too so cool yeah and uh yeah and let me know i would love to catch anytime you want to catch up just let me know you know while during quarantine when you're away if uh, you want to just touch base just let me know yeah. and if there's anything i can do i'd love i'd love to talk to you about maybe um getting a little snippet for our hospital work yes please what it whatever you have any ideas let me know if you have any yeah, i'll text you I'll, te I'll text you we'll, we'll go back and forth um about it but uh you would be a, an incredible addition to um uh to some of the filling up someone's day with a little bit of love and positivity oh yeah i mean i have time <laughs> that's good that's yeah. good we we've realized we have the most valuable asset at our fingertips and we have a lot of it yeah yeah so let's use it. Mm -hmm. It's going to be interesting when we go back. What that's going to I think people, people will define what that means for themselves after this and what going back means and what's important to us and, so. you know, downsizing a little bit to have what means matters most, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I think a new journey is starting for everyone, but not everybody's the lioness. <laughs> So we'll, cool. we'll we'll spark it in them. Cool. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much again, and uh, I, I look forward to doing this again. 
And we look forward to doing that again too. Thank you, David Lionheart. It's always such a joy being with you and hearing what your journey is and kind of reflecting on each other's journeys within that. So yes, let's uh, let's just keep going out there and doing what we're doing, my friends. And again, if you want to find out more about uh, our on our online services, right? We have an online studio. We also do these podcasts every week. We will be offering again Nomad and Beyond Festival at the Facebook group. If you want to find out about those, you can visit nomadalways at ohm.com and also our in person offerings this summer at uh, Stonegate Farm in Newburgh. Would love to see you in person and give you a air hug. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone.